Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show is a platform for Queen's researchers to discuss the significance to and benefits of their research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. Dr. Pascal Champagne is the Canada Research Chair in Bioresource Engineering and a professor in the Department of Civil Engineering at Queen's. She's also the director of the BD Water Research Centre, which brings together faculty from across disciplines to collaborate on research into water-related issues. Dr. Champagne's research focuses on the development of alternate water and waste management strategies and environmentally sustainable approaches. She's collaborated widely to develop new integrated bioresource management practices, to introduce alternate aqueous and solid waste management approaches, and to create unique opportunities for the bioenergy and bioproduct sectors. She's a member of several prestigious societies, including the RSC, College of New Scholars, Artists, and Scientists, and the American Academy of Water Resources Engineers. And she received the Queen's Prize for Excellence in Research in 2017. Hi, Pascal. Thank you for being on Blind Date with Knowledge. Thank you, Mary. It's great to be here. But let's begin with uh, the question about integrated biosource management. What is that, and how does that compare to what was done prior to your initiatives? Um, I think that uh, the best way to describe it is rather than looking at waste or water as separate uh, silos, things that need to be managed separately, it's really looking at an integrated approach where one may be a waste stream in one area. So, for example, if you're looking at uh, biosolids coming from a wastewater treatment plant, but then um, it can be integrated in a uh, composting facility, uh, anaerobic digestion, and then generate electricity and really close that loop on some of our nutrient cycling and some of our carbon cycling uh, rather than and then simply discharging them into the environment in a landfill or or back to uh, to a receiving environment like a lake or a river. So to a non-scientist, what might a person see from the old to the new? What would the facility look like? Are there towers? Are there holding ponds? What are we What are we seeing? So when we're talking about the solids management, for example, I would say uh, in the old day, we dug a hole and we put the garbage in and we really didn't do any uh, sorting or, or separating of our, our waste materials. Uh, nowadays, uh, your organics will uh, be separated at source, so at home, and that goes into our anaerobic digesters, which are also receiving sludge from um, from the municipal wastewater treatment plant or and the water treatment plant. And then that goes into a big, in Kingston, for example, we have mesophilic and thermophilic anaerobic digesters at Ravensview, which is managed by Utilities Kingston, 
and then all that gets put together and they generate biogas. And the idea of generating the biogas is it actually uh, is an energy source which then goes to uh, heat buildings, uh, so really reduce the cost of treatment. How is that uh, gas uh, distributed. Is there a pipeline from the plant, or is it is it liquefied and put into tankers? And that could be one. Uh, so liquefaction. There's different technologies that could be adopted. Uh, in Kingston, we simply recover it, and it's more of a cogeneration type of, of approach. Interesting. In your research and, and your problem-solving approach, I understand you know you, you do an interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary uh, uh, str- have a strategy that that uh, incorporates chemistry and biology, which is a, I think a little bit different than what's traditionally being done. How did you develop this approach, and 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 where is this going now? Um, okay, well, it's, it's an interesting story. The the approach at Queens developed more out of uh, adversity or necessity um, than it did out of uh, an, an actual plan. Um, when I first came to Queens, the type of facilities or, or laboratories that I would need to do the type of research I was doing weren't available, and so. I uh, quickly uh, teamed up with other people and other departments to to really uh, be able to conduct that research. Uh, and as, as it turns out, I was working with some wonderful people, um, had some great experiences, and right now I would say uh, I work with people in geography, I work with people in chemical engineering, in chemistry, biology, uh, geography, um, and then uh, geology as well. And, and the, really the approach is that um, the thinking is I can't be an expert in everything and neither can they. So if we're really going to advance uh, science or find different strategies for um, managing waste or treating water in wastewater, um, I think if we, we need to start thinking outside the box. So in order to do that, I think you need to be able to collaborate with people who will bring something different to the, to the puzzle, to the, to the approach. And I think we talk about working on the periphery of our, our common silos, uh, research silos. So, again, my coming back to what am I going to actually see, do you have a symposium where all these folks get together, or is it more of a bucket brigade kind of a thing where sort of you create the research study or the proposal and then pass it along to the geologist or the chemist or... Actually, it, it works as much more of a team effort than that. I, I would say the approach that um, myself and, and the colleagues that I work with, uh, and I wouldn't say that that's the only approach, but the way we, we tend to operate is, um, so for example, I have a big group. So my students and I meet uh, as a big group. So my students do presentations to tell other stu- to show other students what, what they're up to in their research. Um, so it's really about sharing that knowledge within the group. But then each one, uh, so if I look at my research, currently I have projects in uh, renewable materials, so uh, biopolymers. I have some on forward osmosis, which is water treatment. I have other projects on uh, wastewater stabilization ponds. So we meet as subgroups. And typically that involves the students involved in the research as well as any of the co-applicants or co-supervisors on those projects. And really there we we share the knowledge or or advancement a little bit more uh, in depth uh, within within that subgroup. 
And so rather than be, I'm leading and, and here's your project, it's really about finding team members, students, co-supervising, and, and really working together mm-hmm. rather than than in the traditional silo. It sounds very democratic, very grassroots, and very synthesized. That's three three stars for you on Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> now, I read in the papers recently that, that China has reached a threshold with its uh, willingness to accept uh, garbage and trash from other countries. Does that affect your work? Is that a what's your reading on on that? I think China is aggressively uh, developing technology, acquiring technology, uh, buying technologies outside of China. I think they realize that uh, in order to be competitive uh, in in this this economy, they need to to be at the forefront. They need to be proactive, and I would say they're doing that well and maybe where we're not doing that as as well um so and the other point is in china they they have lots of uh air and uh water issues um and so they they're very aware of their own problems and their own um targets for meeting uh um you know their carbon credits or reducing their their uh, their fossil fuel footprint, and so I, I have to applaud them for for being proactive and and being so aggressive in in that marketplace and educating their people and sending them abroad to be able to see what else is going on out there. You know, in in Western society, we've been talking about ecology and the environment for decades now. But I'm wondering, you also hear about uh, a resistance to carbon taxation and uh, people sort of becoming a little bit more entrenched and less willing to, or maybe just feeling defeated that they can't do anything. How can we sort of maybe capitalize or learn from what the Chinese and other proactive uh, entities are doing in terms of our own municipalities and the way we handle uh, waste in, in, in the West? Um. I would say that uh, with China, it's really that the government is taking a, an active role and, and really providing incentives. So uh, if they want to get uh, the number of cars on the road uh, down to that they're emitting fossil fuels down to a minimum, well, they've... Uh, They've done things that would obviously not work in North America, but they only issue so many license plates in, in Beijing, and it's on a lottery basis. Uh, they have green license plates. Those are for electric cars. They're putting in a number of electric fueling stations so that people will be, uh, you know, have the incentive to buy those those cars. Uh, they've built uh, electric train railway uh, system the high-speed system is uh, is uh, is is uh, expanding uh, at alarming rate and yet uh, initially when it was put in place people were concerned that that the the uh, the salary average salary of the average person would not permit them to take a high-speed train but through um, you know incentives again um, the train is always full and uh, so they're really on track to move their their target and their mission targets by uh, b- uh, within the next fifty years. So, if there's a, a a single lesson, or if there's a couple of key lessons that we could learn here in the West to uh, manage our our waste better, 
and and sort of what what advice would you have for us as individuals and and what advice would you have for the politicians in terms of waste management um i would say that uh it's not the technology is not the barrier i think that uh uh, really, in Canada, especially, I think the the issue that we face is that we have a huge amount of space. So, in terms of finding uh, solutions where we can integrate waste with uh, our waste with, let's say, Napanee and, and other communities, uh, because there's so much space in between, it doesn't make sense to transport. And so those are the challenges we have to overcome in terms of trying to find centralized ways of managing our waste. Um, I think that uh, we need to think more seriously about how we do things. And and there needs to be a a dialogue on that level between government and and whether it's researchers or public at large in terms of, of what the best solutions are. Solutions that will work in Kingston may not work out in in uh, Saskatchewan, for example, uh, it sounds very uh, very smart. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio one hundred one point nine FM, Campus and Community Queens Radio in Kingston, and we're located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queens University Research website at queensu.ca/research. I close out each episode of Blind Date with Knowledge by asking my guest to tell us a joke, recite a short poem or inspirational quotation, or reference a song related to their research or their personal motivation associated with their research. So, Pascal, the microphone's yours. All right, I will give you a very inspiring quote, Um, and, and perhaps I can ask you if you know where this came from. The quote is, that's not a choice, it's a lack of options. You know who said that? No. Uh, Bruce Willis in Armageddon. All right. <laughs> so and why that's inspirational, the message is we need to have options. There are options. Um, if you make a choice based on what you always do, then really you're not looking at all your options. So you've talked about um, my work with uh, my multidisciplinary work with, with people outside of my field, all my collaborations with, uh, with industry, with municipalities, with government. And really, it, it's about exploring those options. And I think that the more options that we explore, the better choice we make. Oh, thank you, Pascal. Uh, my guest in this episode of Blind Date with Knowledge has been Dr. Pascal Champagne the Canada Research Chair in Bioresource bio Engineering and a professor in the Department of Civil Engineering at Queen's. If you have a question about anything related to research that you'd like discussed by our guests, or if you have comments today about uh, the conversation I've had with Pascal, please email me, Barry Kaplan, at bdwk at cfrc.ca. Thank you for tuning in.
This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.